It's uh, it's good to be here again. It's been a while since we since we were able to uh, visit with the church here. Um, we have come back uh, once before, but it's been a long, long time. Um, just to share a little bit with you about what's what's been going on. Well, there's a lot happened <laughs> since we've seen you guys last. But um, to talk to you about our our son Andrew. Some of you may rem- remember if you were reading the prayer letters, but uh, he's 11 years old now. He's in Awanas tonight, and uh, when he was about six on the, and we were on the field, he got really sick. Um, started with just like um, a head cold. You know, all kids get, he has a lot of allergy problems and stuff like that. And then he ended up getting spots on his face. And I was like, what is this? You know, and he had a fever and all that. And um, we were thinking he had the measles. But uh, we, so we were trying to do what we could for him. And then um, there was a doctor that dropped his kids off at our school every morning. And so I had him come look at him. And, and he had told me to give him this and that medicine. And he'd be feeling better. Well, you know. He'd been sick now for, this is going on, four weeks now. So I was like, there's got to be something we can do. And our friends had told us, well, why don't you take him to the hospital? They can get injections there, you know, um, some strong antibiotics, and he should be able to feel better. Well, you don't really want to go to our hospital. It's not a nice hospital. It's not like the hospitals you guys have here, okay? So we're like, well, you know, we've been there before, and we know that the needles are clean. We know that they, you know, they throw them away when, they're, when they use them once. So we, we were okay with that. So like, well, let's go see if they can get us some some uh, drugs, you know, for him to, to, to give him some injections. And we, we showed up there, and and he w- he was really sick. They were like, you can't take him home. And they said, uh, let's go and uh, do some x-rays. They did x-rays of his chest, and they found he had pneumonia. Which I found out later measles often can turn into pneumonia. And so um, he he got pneumonia, and they're like, and we're like, we're going to go to Lusaka. Lusaka is about 12 to 14 hours away from where we lived. Um, but it's pretty much the closest hospital that has good care that we could go to. And uh, the doctors are like, no, 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 you don't need to go make that big trip right now. You just stay here. You know, we'll get him the medicines. He'll be fine in a few days. And so we're like, are you sure? And like, yeah, he'll be, he'll, he'll get better. Just let us get a chance to, you know, take care of him. And uh, so we got and checked into the hospital. We got a private room, and um, they they came the first night. He was there. They had put an IV in, and it fell out. Well, there's no, like, call button for the nurse. You know, don't push the button, and they come. So I started trying to find the nurse. You know, I went out in the hallway. There was no, I couldn't find anybody. Um, and so I went back in the room, and I, he's getting upset because he's bleeding, you know, everywhere, and it won't stop. And so I looked at him. They say when those tubes fall, you're not supposed to put them back in because they could have air bubbles in them or something, and that could be really dangerous. So, but I didn't know what else to do. And so I put it in, and I prayed, and I watched him, and he seemed okay. So I was like, okay, all right, we made it through that. Um, the next day, some doctors came in to look at him, about three of them, and they were looking at his x-rays, and they were talking. A lot of the talking was done in a different language that I understand. So they knew no English, but, you know, they weren't speaking it all the time. And then I, I did hear that they wanted to do some procedure because he had too much fluid on his lungs and that they were, they were talking about what to do about it. And... Uh, then they left for lunch, and they never came back. I mean, I didn't see them again at all, ever. I didn't see those guys ever again. And so uh, that night, about 10 o'clock, Jim had went home. He was coming up with me in the daytime, but then he would go home in the evening to take care of our other kids. And so um, Jim had come back. No, Jim had left, and uh, the, another doctor came in that night. And he's looking at the x-ray, and, and he's, you know, look at me, and he's like, um, and uh, he's like, we need to do something about this. Didn't they talk to you about this? Aren't they going to do anything? 
And I said, well, they said they were going to do some kind of procedure today, and then they left for lunch, and they didn't come back. And he's like, well, we need to do something now. There's way too much fluid here. So I don't have all the things I need. Well, that always makes you feel better when they tell you that. I don't have all the things I need, but let me go see what I can find, and I'm going to come back, and we're going to try to take some of this fluid off his lung. Well, I had no idea what that meant, you know, at the time. So he, went, he left. He comes back. He's got some tubes and this and that. And he's like, um, okay, what? I don't have any anesthetic. I don't have any... I don't have anything to numb it with or anything like that, but what I want you to do is I want you to get behind him and hold him. You know, he's already pretty weak because he's been sick, but I want you to hold him. So I had to wrap my legs around his waist and put my arms like this while they put a, a tube inside his chest. I mean, inside his lung. I mean, they put it in his lung. And, um, you know, anyways, it, stuff started coming out in this bag, and they left it there about 30 minutes. So they didn't want to leave it in any longer because maybe it might get inf an infection or something like that. So they closed it up and cleaned him up. And um, the guy looks at me and he goes, why are you here? And I'm thinking, man, this doctor's not very smart. I mean, obviously my kid is sick. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm here. I said, well, he, and I told him as much. I didn't tell him he wasn't smart, but I said, well, he's sick. And he goes, yes, I know he's sick. He goes, but why are you here? And he goes, you need to you, you surely have some kind of way to get money or something, and you can go somewhere else, and you need to go somewhere else. And I was like, well, they told me he's going to be better. And he looked at me and goes, does he look better to you? And I was like, well, no, he doesn't. And he goes, you need to do something. And so I was, like, all ready to hear that. I mean, I was ready to be out of there. There was It was awful. I mean, the you know, that TV tray that they put your food on? Well, first of all, they don't feed you, so you have to bring your own food and your own blankets, and your own everything. Uh, but if you put food on that TV tray, there were like all these roaches that would just, you know, come on top. So, so we kept that TV tray way in the corner, you know, <laughs> and just, oh, it was awful. And so, um, yeah, and so we, Jim came the next morning. I couldn't get a hold of him that night because our cells weren't working and stuff like that. So he came the next morning. I was like, we got to get out of here. We got to go now. So we were able to get his x-rays. We called some friends that lived in Lusaka, and we said, we're coming. Our son is very sick, you know, and can you try to make some arrangements for us? So they arranged for a hospital for us to go to and because uh, we had no idea where to go. And we showed up there uh, late that night. We were praying the whole time our car would make it because the last time we made the trip, it broke down. And so we didn't know. It's like a 14-hour 14 14-hour drive and uh, with, with a very sick child, and we were s just praying the whole way. God, let the car make it. You know, let us get there. And uh, we showed up, and then the people that were on duty, they looked at the x-ray, and they're like, this is just a regular nurse, you know, admit, admits nurse. And she's like, man, his lung has collapsed. And this is from the x-rays they took before we even checked in at the hospital. You know what I'm saying? And, so, and those guys didn't know it. They had the equipment, they used it, and they didn't read it. I think that other guy, that he knew what had happened. He just couldn't tell us because, you know, since his superiors didn't, uh, he didn't want to make them look bad. So... We, we got him in. The next day they did a procedure where they put a, a tube in his chest again, but this time the right way. It was a very clean hospital. It was a very nice place. And um, then it was still wasn't, enough wasn't coming off, so they put a second tube in. And so he had two tubes um, hanging out, out from him for quite some time, and he was getting um, all kinds of injections all the time, antibiotics and pain medicine. And, I mean, there were times he was hurting so bad he would cry for them to give him a shot, you know? And that's pretty bad when a kid's asking for them to give him a shot. And so, um, you know, all this is going on. And um, 
he had malaria at the same time. They did test him, and he tested positive at the at the first hospital we were at for malaria. So he had measles and malaria and pneumonia all at just boom at the same time. And they said his his when his chest had when the lungs collapsed, his heart even moved over to the to the side. It didn't, it didn't stay where it was. It moved. And so um, he was in the hospital for a, a long time, maybe three weeks before they let us uh, take him to our friend's house. He still had the tubes in because they couldn't take him out. And they told us that you can take him over there to your friends because he was starting to, he was feeling better now. His fever was gone. He wasn't in so much pain. Um, and so they said, well, you can go ahead and take him back and forth from the hospital to be checked on, but you're going to have to watch these tubes. He can't pull on them, can't do this, can't do that. If it stops moving, because there was always this liquid that would just move back and forth, if it says stop moving, then his lung may have collapsed, and you need to bring him back in right away. And uh, so we would go in for checkups regularly, and I remember going in one day thinking, this is going to be the day that they say we can take him home. I mean, we had been living with other people for about five or six weeks now, you know, and we, he'd been sick for, you know, over two months. And I was like, this has got to be the day that, that we get to go home, and they take this, these things out. And we showed up there, and the doctor did a CT scan, and he called me, and he goes, he's not healing. He said, he's still got a hole in his lung, and you guys are going to have to fly to South Africa and get surgery done so that they can repair this. And so we had insurance that would cover that. They would fly us down, and um, we were making the arrangements and trying to get everything in order. It wasn't like we have to go right now, but we needed to go in the next day or so. And so... Jim had uh, called them up, and he went in to pray with Andrew and talk to him, kind of give him a pep talk, you know, like, you and Mom are going to get to go on vacation, you know. <laughs> You're going to get to go to South Africa, and they have McDonald's there, and, you know, it's going to be great. And Andrew said at the time he didn't even know what McDonald's was, you know, so he didn't, that really didn't mean a lot to him. But uh, his dad prayed with him before he left, you know, and he just basically said, God, you know, this is just, he's in your hands, God. You know, heal him, take care of him. God, just work a miracle here. And and he, and he left He left the room. He comes back in just a minute later to, to check on him, and his tubes have stopped moving. Well, they, So we took him to the hospital, thinking, oh, my goodness, we're going to have to do this all over again. And um, we got there. They did another CT scan, and they checked him, and the doctor came back, and he's like, I don't know what to tell you, but this, there's nothing wrong. I mean, he's fine. You know, you don't have to fly anywhere. You don't need to go anywhere. His lung is healed. I know I just told you <laughs> you're going to have to fly out with him, but he is going to be fine. And so um, we're like, well, we know what happened. You know, <laughs> we've been praying for him. People have been praying for him, and uh, we know God took care of him. So, um, you know, your missionaries need your prayers. We need your prayers. We live in a place that's very difficult to get medical care. It's hard to know when to make those trips. Wisdom, we need wisdom for that. Um, a lot of people say, well, I'll just take him. You know, well, it's, it's, it's 14 hours. And it's about a $1,000 trip, you know, and that's just the beginning of the expense of the trip. Then you've got food and all that other stuff that adds up. So it's not just an easy thing to do where we, where we live. So uh, my husband, he had a pulmonary embolism just before we came back, a couple months before we came back. And um, we didn't know what, it, what was happening at the time. There was really nothing we could have done. You know, it has already happened. So he was, ended up laying in bed for most of the week, and then he seemed to be doing fine. So um He's on blood. He, he just got off his blood thinners, and they're supposed to be checking his leg next uh, next week. Or, and so pray for him that everything goes well on his test. And uh, just pray for us. Keep praying for us, and uh, we thank you so much. All right. 
Power me up. I don't, I don't feel powered. I guess I got to say something in between this pause. I can tell you a story. Um, let's see. One day, my wife and I were walking, and we like to run down a hill. I don't mind running up the hill, but Barbie doesn't like to run up the hill, so we run down the hill. It's about a kilometer or so down the hill, about half a mile. And so we're starting to walk down the trail. And my wife, she's right behind me, and she yells, snake. Now, in my mind, I thought the snake was behind us. And I guess I thought if I outran her, <laughs> I'd be okay. <laughs> but I was wrong. It wasn't behind me. It was in front of me. And so I get about this far from a little cobra, popped his head up, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and he, he slithered on down there. And I mean, we do, people always ask, you know, what kind of wildlife do you have? There we go. People always ask, what kind of wildlife do you have? But we don't have a lot. We have, some, we have snakes and uh, spiders, you know. We, one time I had a, a tarantula. Uh, my daughter, she comes in there, and she goes, Dad, there's a big spider. And I'm thinking, you know, spider, I've seen some big spiders, you know, like about that big, you know, around the yard and stuff like that and in the house. And so I went in, there was a tarantula about that big on the wall. And so I ran, I got the broom, and I shut the door behind me because I didn't want the thing to get out. And then I locked the door, and everybody goes, why did you lock the door? Because I said if I f scream or something or if something happens, I didn't want them to open the door to let the thing into the house. <laughs> so we got that killed, but... Uh, we, have, we got a lot of interesting creatures where we live, but mostly uh, safari animals like the lions. We don't have lions in our backyard or giraffes going around. Most of those are in the southern part of Zambia uh, on the game reserves. So if that's a question that you guys might ask, that's, that's already answered. <laughs> All right. Uh, today, uh, the title of my message is Crazy uh, for Jesus. And this is our theme, uh, theme verse for the week. And I thought we would stand up and say it. There you go. Now, let's not be a stiff-necked people, okay? Mark 16, 50 says, And he said unto them, say it with me, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, everybody knows a song that goes along with it, so I'm going to count to three and we're going to begin singing, okay? One, two. Two, three. <laughs> hey, there's no song. Sit down. I... <laughs> Everybody's in the mic. What? what song goes with that? And he said, no, I don't quite work. I might write something later on. Uh, but um, this is our theme verse, and I, I, like, I, like, uh, um, I like the theme of the mission conference. I like that it's just simply all. Because when uh, I asked Miss Charlie about it, I know she said she was, te she, they said something about me on services, uh, about messing with the theme of the thing they were talking about. Everyone's going everywhere to all the people, every tribe. And she just ran long, long sentences. I was like, man, that is a long theme. And so how do you fit that? So it's all, basically, every single believer, all of us doing our part to reach every tribe, every tongue, and all the world. And that's what God desires from us. Let's put this down here. Um, now, I like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, uh, if you looked at the verse four, being crazy for Jesus is our message title tonight. The Apostle Paul, he's probably my favorite 
uh, one of my favorite Bible characters, and he is uh, what I call the standard for missions because he set up the way he went out, uh, and other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, he is the one that greatly transformed his known world. And so I guess the question that you might ask yourself today is, what makes a great missionary? You know, and I do believe, and we've been talking about it already, and I've heard people say that we are all missionaries. And I remember in Bible college, uh, we had a worship leader, and the worship leader's name was Mike. And Mike, he got up. He was kind of a strange guy. Uh, he got up with an accordion. Okay? Yeah, there, you already hear it. Ooh. <laughs> and he had sang this song. It was a fun song, though, and it's called Be a Missionary Every Day. Has anyone ever heard that one? Be a missionary every day. Wow, we got about three or four of you know it. You come up here and sing a quartet. No, uh, but it just basically emphasizes the fact that every one of us are called to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel. And it is a command by God. And we'll talk about this uh, throughout the week, and you'll hear it is command by, commanded by God that every single one of us do our part. Now, before I, uh, before I go on, and, and we'll talk again, a lot of this stuff will be re reiterated through the week. Giving to missions does not keep you from presenting the gospel. It's not like a substitute. Okay, I gave I gave my missions money this week, so now I don't have to tell people about Jesus. No, it's not. It, it's it, it's both parts. It's doing everything that we can to get the gospel around the world because without Christ, this world is going to spend an eternity without God. And um, uh, one of the scriptures I want to look at, we're going to look in the book of Acts today, Acts chapter fourteen, verse nineteen is what we're looking at today, and all the verses are going to be on the screen, So, uh, but you can also write down notes. Acts 14, 19, and it says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing that he had been dead. Now, God had, in this chapter previously, had allowed the Apostle Paul to heal a crippled man, and it was a great miracle that God used, and then the Apostle Paul began to want to preach the gospel, to share with the people who had actually healed that man? Who was the one? What power uh, that, that they had used to heal that person and to preach the name of Jesus and the salvation that came through it? But when they saw the miracle, all the people believed that they were gods. And so they began now and tried to, tried to worship him. And they fell down on the knees, started worshiping the, and Paul and, and Barnabas. And Paul was like, no, 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 don't worship me. It's not us that's doing it. It is it's through Christ. That's why we have the powers through Christ. It's not anything of ourselves. We're not gods. And so they, they begin to try to convince the people. But before they can really make any real impact, there were some that believed. But before they can make a huge impact there, there were some Jews from Iconium that came. And they began to whisper among the people, trying to, uh, uh, trying to sow uh, seeds of discord among them. And so what happened is all the people then took the Apostle Paul and they had him stoned. And this is where I think the big part of the message for me really takes off. In Acts 14, uh, verse 21 and 22, and it says, And when they had preached the gospel to the city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And, and so my whole premise and the whole idea of this whole thing is what would make an individual go back to a place where he was just stoned? He had to be crazy, crazy for Jesus. And, and see, that is what is going to make us great missionaries for the cause of Christ. 
And one of the first thoughts we have today is that you need to have a crazy love. In, in Zambia, we have this song. It's, it says, yes, you need number shiny. And everybody sings number one. It says, what number is Jesus in your life? Number one, number one. And, and I, like, I like that we put that, we sing this song, but it, there's a problem with it. And the problem is, is that many times we try to compartmentalize God. We say, God, you're here, number one. We got family, number two. We have our church and ministry, number three. But that's not how it's supposed to be. Our love for Christ should encompass everything. We shouldn't just give Jesus Sundays. We shouldn't just give Jesus a few days a week. Jesus needs to be every part of our life. He needs to be demonstrated how we love our family. He needs to be demonstrated how we love our world. It has to be something that comes, from, uh, comes within us. It has to be a, a consuming part of our life. It's not something that we just do once a week. We need to have a crazy love for our Savior. And, and this is, of course, the foundation of Paul's craziness. And, and, and he had a real reason why, uh, real reason why uh, to be in such great love with our Savior because of who he was and the things that he had done. The Apostle Paul, he was a murderer. He was he a was horrible person. He would have been considered what we consider maybe Hitler of that day. And he did it with such a diligence, and he was good at it. He did everything he could to destroy the way. He did everything he could to dis discredit the name of Jesus. And, and he tried to, to kill, throw people in jail. He, he, and he was a horrible person. Yet God, through his mercy and grace, reached down as uh, Paul was on the road to Damascus, and he saved that man's soul. And so the Apostle Paul had such a fervency for Christ, had such a desire uh, to win other people to the Lord because of what Jesus had done, to him, done for him. And anyone who has participated in a sinful life, which is all of us, but many times we all find that an individual maybe that has been in prison or an individual who has done terrible things in their life and then they come into a relationship with Christ, what do you see from their lives many times? A genuine gratitude for what Christ has done. And it's just, it, it just something that bubbles from who they are because of what Jesus has done for them. And of course, this is a great example. We find this in Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 47. And here uh, we find, you know, where uh, the woman, that immoral woman comes and she, she goes to the, uh, that religious leader's house and she comes to Jesus. She breaks that alabaster box open and she, she anoints him uh, with that box of perfume. And she, just, she gives him such a great display of love. And, and, Jesus, and the people are like looking and saying, don't you know what kind of woman this is? And then he begins to tell the story of the debtors. And he tells the story. He says, who, who do you think was more grateful for what Christ had done, what, 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 that, what, what the king did? And he says, oh, the one that was forgiven much. And so he gives on and says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And I have to tell you, as believers today, we know our own account of our sins. We know who we are before a holy and a righteous God. We understand that because of our sins, we deserve to spend an eternity without God, but because of his grace and mercy, he shed his blood so that we can come and have life, that we can have a relationship with God, that we can have an inheritance in heaven with him for all eternity. And we need to display that love and that gratitude that we have for our Savior. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. He couldn't hold it back. He couldn't hold it within him. He had to speak out and share the truth of the gospel. 
And that's what we must have in our, in our hearts. We must have that desire in us that there's some, something burning inside us that we cannot, we cannot keep it in. But we have to speak it out. We can't be ashamed. And this goes on to our second point. We need to have a crazy boldness for Christ. We need to have a boldness for him. Um, I, I like our student pastor, Brother Stan, uh, his family, you know, uh, they really didn't like the fact that he was preaching. So he had some of his family call him up, and they were saying, we're hearing stories about you. You're going around, we're hearing stories that you're going around with a crazy white man with the Bible preaching. And they tried to discourage him. You know, they tried to discourage him from, from sharing the truth. And, 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 but we cannot be that way. We can't be discouraged from sharing the truth. We can't be uh, inhibited from uh, telling the things that God wants us to be doing. We need to have a boldness in our lives. We can't have fear. And, and sometimes many of us, we have that fear in us from sharing the gospel. Something that kind of keeps us back from telling people that we know we should be sharing the truth. We have people in our neighborhoods that we know we should be opening our mouth and telling the gospel. But we want to be polite. We don't want to be someone that, you know, causes feathers. I remember uh, speaking to uh, uh, some people before, and you know, they were talking, and, uh, and they were a little bit older, and said, we just don't want to, we just don't want to uh, ruffle any feathers. We don't want to make people upset with us. They're, they're, they're afraid to offend somebody. I'm going to tell you something. The gospel is offensive. Because it confronts people with the fact that they are sinners before a holy God. It is offensive. That's why Jesus said that, the, that your mother, your father, they're going to hate you. They're going to think you hate them because you serve and you follow after me. That's the kind of the compassion and love that you have for our Savior to proclaim the truth. It's offensive. People are not going to want to accept it. That's why he says, narrow is the path of righteousness. Is wide is the path the road to destruction. It's, it's just what it is. Nobody wants to have what we have because it's offensive. But we need to be bold about it and not be fearful of what other people are going to think about us. We're too worried about what people think. Are people not going to like me anymore if I tell them about Jesus? I'm going to tell you people don't like you anyways. It's okay. I already know that. You don't need to be worried about if people like you. Be worried about what God thinks about you. And he's commanded us to go out and share this, his word, to share the good news of what Jesus did for us. But we're too ashamed many times or we're too afraid. And, and you know, the, one of the easiest things for me to do, the people will ask, you know, Brother Jim, well, I want to tell people. And, and I, I mean, if you're a Christian here today, I, I believe that all of you have that desire to tell the people about you, to tell the people around you about the gospel. You have that desire in your heart. Okay, because God puts it there because you accepted him. He puts that desire in you. But some of us, we're just afraid. How do we start a conversation? You know, I always like to talk to people. And uh, many times I'll talk to and maybe a, a someone that has a little baby, you know. And I'll see them in a store and I'll say, you know, that's, that's a cute baby. You know, I'll just open your mouth many times. What it'll do? It'll help you to start the conversation. And once you start the conversation, things flow easier and easier. And you say, hey, that's a cute baby. And it's okay to lie. Because sometimes a kid is ugly, you know? The kid's ugly. You don't say, you, you can go to him, hey, you got a unique baby, you know? You don't want to tell him that. That's not going to get you any points there. But, I mean, you just start the conversation with him. You know, say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Jim. I'm, I'm from, uh, I'm from uh, Sunshine Baptist. And uh, I just want to let you know that uh, I go to church there on Sunday. I'd love to have you come with me. 
you know. We have a great program for kids, you know. Uh, we have a water program on Sundays. You could just talk it all up and tell people about your church. Tell people what God's done. And then maybe they want to hear a little bit more. And you can say, you know, I accepted Jesus when I was 12. Like, I, that was me. I accepted Jesus 12. When I was 12 years old, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I know that today if I died, I'd spend eternity with him. Would you like that? And sometimes, sometimes they're going to just say no. It's okay. It's okay. I used to get my feelings hurt. I would try to, I would chase after people. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> I, no, you know, you need Jesus. And they're like, no, get away from me, you know. Uh, and um, you kind of see people, you know, and you kind of get, God will give you a spirit of discernment. And you'll start talking to them, and you can see when people really want to know more. And many times, they're not the first time that people have talked to them. I talked to a lady uh, when we first got back about my, when I was getting my hair cut. She was talking. I was just telling her about the church and stuff like that that we were staying at. And uh, at the end, she goes, you're like the fourth person today. I was talking to a guy a few weeks ago. I was doing laundry at the laundromat. And uh, I, 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 he was having troubles at home. And so I sat there, and I prayed with him right there. Prayed with him in the laundromat. He went to go get a drink. He came back and says, you never know what just happened. This lady out of nowhere just said, can I pray for you? I think God's trying to tell me something. You know, uh, we need to have that boldness. And, and I want to let you know that the Apostle Paul wasn't always filled with that boldness. You know, just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean it's easy all the time to stand in front and talk to people about God. Sometimes it's terrifying. Sometimes, I'm not scared right now. I'm, I'm drugged, so I'm okay. Um, <laughs> But it can be terrifying. It can be terrifying to stand up and tell people about Christ. It can be. Because our natural desire is for people to like us. Uh, but the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, says this, And for me, that utterance, he's asking for prayers for the Ephesian people. He says, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. The Apostle Paul desired boldness to preach the word of God. And we need that crazy boldness in our lives. And we need to just ask God, hey, God, I want that boldness to share the truth of God with my neighbor. God, I want that boldness to share the truth of God with my, uh, with my, my classmates. God, give me that boldness to share that, my, the truth of God with those people who are standing with me in the checkout line. God, give me that boldness to proclaim your name. And you know, the, God will give you those opportunities. If you ask God, Guess what's going to happen? He's going to provide those times for you. And you may say, you know, I, I just, I can't speak. Maybe you're going to be like Moses. I'm just dumb in the tongue. I can't talk very well, you know. God is going to make a way for you to do it. He will equip you. He's not going to leave you empty-handed. He's not going to leave you out on the line where you, where, where uh, you, you just feel like you can't do anything right. God is going to help you because he, he wants to use you. That is awesome that God wants to use us as tools and vessels to proclaim his truth. And the last thing, for us to be a good missionary, we need to have crazy faith. A crazy faith. And I like this one. For me, I, I love uh, just dreaming about the things that God can do. I mean, when you look at your church, that's what you should see. When you look here at Sunshine Baptist, you say, look what God can do. And you just dream about what he can do. Dream about the seats being filled. Dream about the people that will be coming. Dream that God is going to do great things through this church. Amen. When I take Brother Stan out, Brother Stan, our student pastor, I'll take him out, 
And I will be walking around the property, and I'll say, Brother Stan, just look right over there. That's where we're going to build our new building over there. We have no money. But I'm telling him, you know, hey, Brother Stan, this is where we're going to build our new building. Brother Stan, look over here. Right here where we have the single classroom, I'd like to knock this wall down and build a two-story building right there. And I'm saying, hey, this is where we're going to pave the road, make a new roundabout where people drop off their kids at the school. And I'm going right this is where we're going to put a new basketball court. You know, I'm just going around dreaming about what God is going to do. Because I believe that God's given me a vision for the church and for the things that he wants me to do there in the church. And so he's going to provide it. And God's got a plan for this church. He's got a plan for your life. And all he wants from us is to believe and to trust that he can do awesome and great things through you. Do you believe he can use you for his glory? Huh? He can use a donkey. Huh? Huh? Yeah, it's okay. He can use a donkey. We understand that. He can use anything. And if he can use anything, he definitely can use you. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Sometimes we look at our lives and we say, man, I wish I've made too many mistakes in my life. And yeah, I've accepted Christ, and, but I've wasted so much. I don't think he can really do anything with me. That's just Satan whispering something in your ear. That's not true. Because if you're not dead, God's got a plan for you. He's got something for you to do. He's got something for you guys to do. He wants you to grow up your department. Grow, invite your friends to church. Share people about what God has done in your life. Has God done anything in your life? Has he? He saved you. You're not going to hell. He saved you. You get to be with him forever. He saved you. You have a relationship. When you talk to God, he hears you. The veil's been torn. That's an awesome God that we have. And he wants us to become part of his program, his program of getting the gospel around the world. This is nothing new. Missions is nothing new. This is not something that we're, uh, it's, it, this is something to get you fired up, not because, you know, you haven't heard these things before. It's because we need to be encouraged. We need to be lifted up so that we can do the things that God has created us to do, which is to shine like he shines, to be a reflection of the sun. Amen. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I remember not too long ago, just kind of walking around the property of our church, and then looking around and just realizing that before we came, there was nothing there. I was like, wow. You know, I mean, it's been hard. There have been times in our ministry, you know, that sometimes I just wanted to quit. There have been times and struggles in my marriage. There have been, try- there have been struggles in health and uh, financial stuff, all these things. And there have been times I just like, ah, you know, you want to scream out. But then I look, I see, wow, look what God has done. Look at all these people that have been saved because, and God's using me to do those things. Something's come from nothing because I said, okay, God, I will. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to have, be crazy for Jesus, to have a crazy love for him, a devotion that, that just outweighs everything else in our life. Where we're so consumed with Jesus that we cannot help but to tell other people about him. That we will have this boldness in us to proclaim the gospel to everyone that's around us. And that we will have the faith, a crazy faith, knowing that God is going to use us 
and that he's going to do great things through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are a phenomenal God, and I thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your mercy. I thank you, God, that uh, you do great things and that you want to use us, God, and that you want to uh, uh, help us to get the gospel around the world. And, and uh, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to have uh, that crazy love for you, Lord. Help, help us to have uh, a devotion for you, God, that is unmeasurable and that uh, the things that we say and do uh, would bring glory and honor to you, Lord, and that we would be bold and proclaiming the truth, and that we would share with our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers uh, about who you are, and that, Lord, um, that we would just believe that you can use us. Lord, I don't know the hearts of the people here today, God. Maybe there are some that are just discouraged. They've been struggling in the year and not really seeing uh, the fruits of their life like you want. they want to, God, and, and they just need some encouragement today, God. Maybe they just feel that maybe they've blown it and they can't do very much more and they're wanting to quit. I pray, God, that you would encourage them today, Lord, to continue fighting for you. Lord, we need soldiers on the field. We need people who take up the cross and follow you. And I just pray, God, that you would use me and use us, Lord, to bring glory and honor to your name. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.